Now, if you've got your Bibles there, please do keep them open because I want to make sure that you are checking that I'm really talking about what's really written. Now, we're here for the second session in a series on 1 Peter. I'm not going to go back and recap everything that George said so wonderfully two weeks ago. Listen again on the website if you want to hear it. Because he was talking about how Peter was writing about resident exiles. So we're carrying on with that theme and we're looking at what Peter has to say to the resident exiles using uh, the second chapter of the letter. Before we start, shall we pray? Lord God, thank you that you're here with us now. And I pray that you would be with me as I speak and that it would be your word that everybody hears. Amen. So, building the church and building Camborne. We know a lot about building, don't we? I just wonder, who was here before Morrison's? Anyone was in Camborne before Morrison opened? And uh, before the first school was opened? Who was here um, before they built Upper Camborne? Yeah, yeah? Well, I, I, I moved into Upper Camborne, so I'm a relative newbie. I've only been here three years. But we've watched Camborne being built around us, haven't we? Now, I remember 10 years ago when, when I didn't live in Camborne, um, I'd hear these little cheesy adverts on the radio about how wonderful Camborne was. And I said, I never want to live in Camborne. All these identikit boxes, this soulless building site. Did anyone else feel like that before they came to Camborne? Or was it just me? <laughs> but uh, once we moved in, I started to think, actually, I've got it all wrong. And there was a sense of community in Camborne. And part of that was down to good town planning. So there, there are parks, there's a place to walk the dog, there are cycleways. And partly I think we should be so grateful that they planned to have a church right here in the middle and we should really praise God that the church was always part of the plan for Camborne. But I think it's even more than that. I think community is about the community spirit. It's not just bricks and mortar and facilities. It's us, the people of Camborne. And for us here in church today, it's about us as Christians in Camborne. And I think that Peter's letter, and particularly the second chapter, has got a lot to say about that. Because he talks of living stones, of being the people that build the church and the community. And he also called his readers a holy priesthood. I think that might need a bit more unpacking, but they're the two things I'm going to talk about, about being living stones and about being a holy priesthood. And then I'll draw some conclusions as to what that might mean for us to be living godly lives as resident exiles in Camborne. But before we get into the passage, I think it's always important that we know who was writing and why they were writing and whether it's got any relevance to us today. So uh, the first letter of Peter, they think it was probably written about AD 60. So that's what, sort of 30 years into the life of the church, the word had spread as it got out beyond the people who'd actually known Jesus. Uh, but it was still in its infancy, and the people were facing some real challenges. But who wrote it? Well, it was the Apostle Simon Peter, a great friend of Jesus. He knew a lot about Jesus, and he loved him. And yet, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, Peter denied even knowing him when he'd stood there. And he, he, he just denied him. And that's not really what you expect a friend to do. 
And yet Jesus forgave him. And more than forgave him, he gave him a new name. We read about this in Matthew, where he says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Because Peter means the rock. And so I suppose it should be no surprise to us that a man called the rock should be writing about being living stones for Christ. Who was he writing to? Well, the resident exiles, the mostly Gentiles who were scattered throughout Asia Minor, but who were called to be God's people. And why should we read it today? Well, it's not some great theological treatise. It's more a practical pastoral letter. Peter's writing to people who really needed encouragement and they needed practical things to do. So as we read this today, we shall look at it, find out what's behind the wonderful pictorial language and ask what does God practically want us to do in Camborne. So if you've got your Bible open, then on page 1152, let's start our passage. Peter gets right in at the beginning by saying, the perfect living stone, Jesus. And he picks up on a familiar phrase from Jewish scripture. We, we saw it uh, a few minutes ago when we read from Psalm 118. And the Jews recognized that the cornerstone of the nation of Israel was God's unfailing love for them. And this love ultimately resulted in the coming of Christ, love personified. And Jesus had taken some of these scriptures and applied them to himself. I'm not going to get you to look it up now, but in Matthew 21, we can read the parable of the tenant, where uh, the son of the vineyard owner is killed. And Jesus applied that to himself. He was the son of the vineyard owner. And he said that he was the cornerstone that was rejected. The first chapter of Peter's letter spoke about what it means to accept Jesus instead of rejecting him. Now, if you were here two weeks ago, you'll recognize this slide from George's talk. And it just was so good I had to use it again because it talks about the hope that is the foundation for our faith. In 1 Peter 1.3, we read, In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And that is the hope in Christ that is the foundation for our faith. Because it's only because God loved us enough to send Jesus to die in our place that our sins can be forgiven. And it's only because Jesus rose again from the dead that we can enter into a right relationship with God. Our hope is found in Christ. And Peter goes on in verse 5, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Some slightly tricky language there, but there's an old story about the king of Sparta that I think might help us uh, unpack it a bit. The story goes that a dignitary had come to visit him, and he was boasting about the magnificent walls of Sparta. And the dignitary looked around, and he said, um, what walls of Sparta? And the king pointed at his bodyguard of magnificent troops and said, these are the walls of Sparta. And it's clear that one bodyguard on their own, that wouldn't have made much of a wall, would it? And I think the same is true in the church. One Christian can stand up for what he believes, but it's not until we come together that we build this spiritual house that Peter's talking about here. And we might have this lovely new building in which to worship, 
but it's us, the people of God, that really make up the church. So I think that's our first application today. We are called to build our lives on the cornerstone of Christ and to come together as the living stones that make up the church. Peter then turns his attention to what happens within the spiritual house. The work of the holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And he also picks up on this idea of priesthood later in the chapter. I wonder, who remembers the memory verses from last year? Anyone want to volunteer? We've got our Bibles, let's read it together. 2 Peter, uh, so 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. Let's read this all together. This was our memory verse. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. But once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What a privilege we have. We are all chosen for this priestly role. But what a responsibility. The idea of a priest is something which I think we need to we need to unpack a bit more. And there's quite a lot just in this short passage which can tell us some more. I think oh I'm going all the way. There, I think that there are there are three areas um, that we can we can draw out from this section of, of the letter. I think that as we're called to be priests, we're called to pray and to offer spiritual sacrifices. We're called to be, to live as people of God's mercy. And we're called to care and represent God in our community. So in 1 Peter 2 verse 5, he calls us to offer spiritual sacrifices. It's a slightly strange term. And I think in a way it starts with prayer, not just reading something out of a prayer book, but the kind of prayer where you turn your attention on God and you offer your whole being to God. When you engage with what he wants you to do in your life, and then you'll be offering yourself as a spiritual sacrifice. Because prayer changes us, and it changes the world around us. It's different to the repeated animal sacrifices of the Old Testament, where the priest had to go on and on and on, making offering after offering to pay for the sins of the people. It's also different to the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross. As we've already said, it was the death and resurrection of Jesus that allows us to come close to God. And there's nothing we can do to add or to detract from that. To preempt chapter 3, um, in 1 Peter 3.18, he writes, Christ died for our sins once and for all. So instead of having some repeated sacrifice that's necessary for our salvation, we can rely on this sacrifice of Christ. And we just need to offer a sacrifice of praise to be grateful for what God's done and to continue to respond to it. We are called that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. The second aspect of our priesthood is that it's grounded on mercy. We've not earned the right to serve God. He is a holy God and a perfect God, and we know that we are broken and messed up people. 
There is no way we could approach the holiest holy of God in our own right. And this is what Peter means in that memory verse that we just said, when he said, you have received mercy. And when we declare this truth, then we're reflecting the mercy of God. And I think the most powerful way we can do that is by welcoming people to join us as a community of God, fully aware that none of us are perfect, but we want to respond to God. And I think this extract from the Renew Community's membership statement just sums it up nicely. I'll read it to you. A person becomes a member of the body of Christ when their heart is first turned towards God and they take their first steps on the journey of faith. Some believers will have the evidence of God's redeeming work in many areas of their lives. In the lives of others, only the first fruits of this redeeming work will be evident. Nonetheless, it is our belief that God works through his spirit, which is powerfully present in the church. And all those who publicly express their belief in Christ have started on the journey of faith and seek to grow spiritually will be welcomed. Finally, as Christ's holy priesthood, we have an ambassadorial role. We must care for the people around us as Christ himself would. Peter expands on this type of godly living in verses 11 and 12. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. So we must live godly lives, not just for the sake of our own soul, but because as living stones in the church, our example really matters. When our friends who aren't Christians think of the church, they think of us. And it's by our lives that we show them what God is doing to us and what he could do for them. So what should we conclude? Well, Jesus Christ is the true cornerstone, the only foundation that we can really build our lives upon. And that's quite a big ask, but we can be reassured that we have the power of Jesus working within us. He's showing us mercy, and he is turning us into the living stones that he needs to build his church. And it's not something we can do as individuals. Like the Spartan bodyguards, we have to come together in order to build the magnificent walls of this spiritual house. But it's not even just the church. It's not about these four walls around us. We are the church wherever we go, throughout Camborne or wherever we happen to be. And our response within that spiritual house across the nation, it's to be worshippers. That's important. But much more than that, our priestly role means we must also be bridge builders between God and man. We are called to represent him in our communities and to pray that God's great message of hope and love and mercy becomes known. I think we can sum this up in one phrase. You see, as resident exiles, we are called to be the people of God in our community. So practically, just what are we going to do about it? 
Now, some of you may have been here a few weeks ago when I invited you to join me on an exciting practical prayer adventure. When at Ascension, we thought we'd go out and we'd beat the bounds of Camborne in prayer and we'd start prayer walking. I don't know how many of you have been doing this, but I know some people have and it has been exciting. I know as a house group, we went out a few weeks ago walking around some of the older parts of Upper Camborne and some of the half-built houses in Upper Camborne. And we really felt a wonderful sense of how much God is already doing, but also how much God still wants to do. And we are praying, as I'm sure so many of you are praying, we're really praying that we might catch God's vision for Camborne. We want to join in with what he's already doing and run with it because he needs each and every one of us in order to finish building Camborne. Such prayers can and do change us and the community around us. And when we pray, we really do catch his vision and we start to be the people that God wants us to be and we start to really care for the people around us. So I think Peter's letter leaves us with a question. What is God calling each one of us to do as living stones and as a holy priesthood in Camborne? It's not just about Camborne. It's about the wider church and the wider nation. And I think that God really can change a nation But it's going to start right here with those spontaneous acts of love and kindness that we heard about in Setting the Scene. With people wanting to be part of a community. With people showing love to their neighbour. And with people praying. So now we're going to spend a few moments praying for Camborne. Praying for our nation. And asking just what God wants each of us as individuals and to come together as a community to do.